Well, good morning to you on this <clears throat> beautiful morning. Now, I don't know if I'll be able to say that this afternoon, though. <laughs> but right now, it's nice. Good to have each one of you here today. And we've been working our way through First Peter. And so we're at First Peter chapter 5, verses 1 to 4 today. <clears throat> Let's go to the Lord in prayer. And ask God's blessings upon this. Dear Heavenly Father, we do pray in Jesus' name that you'd bless this time of study that we have together. And Lord, we thank you for your word and what it teaches us. We ask it in Jesus' name and for his sake. Amen. Uh, the title of this one is Be a Willing Shepherd. It's a passage of scripture that's used often. Let's begin 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 1. The elders which are among you I exhort, who am also an elder and a witness of the sufferings of Christ and also a partaker of the glory that shall be revealed. And then as you look at that, he says, Feed the flock of God which is among you, taking the oversight thereof, not by constraint, but willingly, not for filthy lucre, but of a ready mind. Neither as being lords over God's heritage, but being in samples to the flock. And when the chief shepherd shall appear, you shall receive a crown of glory that fadeth not away. Let's take our time this morning. I divided that up for you. <clears throat> I wanted you to be able to look at this and <clears throat> see what we've got here. It's, it's loaded, if you please, as far as taking the time to look and what a, see what a pastor shepherd should be. And um, so let's, let's, let's delve into this. I think you'll like it. We start off there in verse 2. We find that this statement here in 1 Peter, he says, feed the flock of God which is among you. And so I, I I just took the Strong's definitions and stuck it under most of these here. It means to tend as a shepherd Feed the flock of God which is among you. And it means to tend to them as a shepherd would. Feeding the people of God. Watering the people of God. Protecting the people of God. And um, uh, that's always been a primary thing. There's something that... that, uh, a lot of fellas, I don't know anymore, it used to be a very paramount thing in the minds of the preachers. But then it went away for other things. But the reality that when you look at this, you realize that this is not a self-chosen thing. Uh, this, this is a calling by God and God's involved in the position. God's involved in the action. God's involved in the direction. Everything. And so 
as it says, feed the flock of God which is among you. And uh, <clears throat> so to tend as a shepherd. Uh, boy, there's 10,000 illustrations we can use there, huh? And um, so the first thing that the people, the flock should expect is to be fed with the Word of God. We, uh, as, as had been said in the past, it's a feeding of the soul. And how can you feed somebody's soul? The only way you can do that is with the Word of God and nothing else. Feed the flock of God which is among you. And so... The first admonishment is that uh, when the flock is properly fed, there'll be a healthy flock. When the flock is properly fed, they'll have the ability to withstand life. They'll be able to handle life. And uh, when the flock is properly fed, they'll be able to live as a Christian because their soul is fed and guided by the Word of God. Ever, ever so important to all of us. And so when the flock is healthy, They're healthy because they've been fed the Word of God. Um, I've always been greatly distressed. It's a a distress for me. It's it's very, it's just, it it just tears me up all the time. I mean, it's just something. Over the years, I've watched... uh, a lot of churches, big churches and small churches, uh, become non-existent. I mean, right down to the selling of the building and where, poof, where'd they go? And uh, uh, you ask, why? What happened there? What, what took place? What caused that? We realize that as you go through the Word of God, a ministry is for a time. But right before service here, I was listening to, uh, well, I was reading, not listening to. I was reading this evaluation of Tom Malone's ministry. And uh, uh, I wound up in Pontiac, Michigan, but Tom Malone was just a good old country preacher in a lot of ways. But uh, the picture I saw was a picture that was hanging on the front door of Emanuel Baptist Church of Pontiac, Michigan that said for sale. And at one time, uh, that church run eight, nine hundred, had a school there and everything. And uh, there's always, uh, listen, if you learn to find out what the problem is. 
that's worth a fortune to you. I don't care whether you're in business or what, but uh, I can give you a lot of examples of people that saw a problem, recognized a problem, and then fixed it. But not only for themselves, for others, and became millionaires because of it. And uh, it's, uh, it's an interesting thing when people can recognize something and others can't. I, it's just, I've, I've forgotten his name now. First, his first name was Jack. But um, do you remember the old, some of you might remember the old Remington commercials, Remington Shavers commercials and stuff? Um, well, <clears throat> him and some other guys, they got together, but he said one of the dumbest things he ever done in his life a fella come to him and said, look at this thing. I've, I've built this thing. He said, what is it? He said, that guy showed me this thing that had this line on the bottom of it. And buddy, a little gas engine at the top of it. And he said, that thing? He said, what is it? He said, well, it's a, rather than using a sickle or a side to cut weeds, he said, this thing will cut weeds. He said, I laughed at him and said, go on. I got better things to do. I don't want to see that. He said, it's called a wheat eater today. And uh, he said, that, that was a, one of the, he said, I, I didn't see it. But the guy that saw a need saw it. And it's like the fellow that invented uh, Velcro. He took that Velcro initially uh, to a manufacturer and some others, and they just laughed at him. What, what's that for? What, you know, they, they just wouldn't pay any attention to it. And he took it to a guy that was military-minded, a doctor in the military. And uh, I read this little short clip a long time ago, and I might have it mixed up whether the doctor was still in the military or whatever. But... Uh, he looked at that and immediately he saw 10,000 uses for Velcro. But the guy had taken it to manufacturers and other people that just laughed at him. You know, what? Man, what's that going to do? How's that going to, what's that for? And uh, one of the guys that, that was offered to buy the invention said that was the dumbest thing I ever saw in my life. He said, but the dumbest thing was me not buying that invention, not buying the patent. You see, when you, when you see a need, it could be worth millions to you. And that's why some people just see a need and solve the problem for themselves, Okay. But when you see a need and you solve the problem for yourself and a thousand others, oh, now you've done something. And that's why some things are so important. To feed the flock of God which is among you. To tend as a shepherd. Means that that shepherd has got to see some of the needs of the flock. But he has to see 
a need that's going to meet the need of just about all the flock. Granted, all of you sitting here this morning, some of you are spiritually maturer than others. Some of you have Bible in your head, but not in your heart. Some of you sitting here have some Bible in your heart and your head. There's a huge difference. We're all at a different level, aren't we, of life when it comes to things. That's why, that's why the shepherd has to make sure that he feeds the whole flock. And uh, I've, I've gone to some churches, and I'm sure you've heard some also, where the pastor felt like that he had to use a thesaurus to get his, get his words in order, you know. And rather than just talking to the people, he wanted to try to express everything in million-dollar words that nobody understood but him. I'll show you what I mean here in a minute. That does no good, does it? Not at all. And so expect that. That's something, as long as you're in church, something you ought to expect from the shepherd is to be fed spiritually. Because that spiritual feeding will allow you to just go through life, handle life, and grow spiritually yourself. But now here's something of interesting. These next two things that we'll talk about are very interesting. Taking the oversight thereof. Vine says to oversee by implication to beware. Taking the oversight thereof. To oversee things. But the implication is to beware. In other words, a good shepherd is going to beware of the dangers that the flock faces, isn't he? I mean, a good shepherd has good watchdogs. A good shepherd is not going to leave his sheep out uh, unattended. He's going to do something to protect the sheep. He's going to beware. So he has to beware in several major areas. One is doctrinally. There's a doctrinal awareness that must happen. The second thing is the fact of influence. There's an influence that'll draw the sheep away. There's an influence that'll influence all of us. And um, so we, f- we find then that taking the oversight thereof, to oversee by implication to beware. In other words, accept the responsibility of protection. Beware of what might happen. Beware of what can happen. Beware of what will happen. Right. Warning, warning, warning. 
Now, there's something about warnings. Now, remember this, folks. When it comes to Jesus Christ, the people never said a thing about what he'd done. Pharisees didn't like it a couple of times because he'd done something on the Sabbath day. But what did they really hate Jesus for? Healing the blind, healing the lame, healing the sick. What did he, what, what, what is it? No, they hated Jesus because of what he said. Right? They didn't hate him because he was healing the blind, healing the sick, healing the lame, feeding the multitude. No, they hated him because of what he said. And so what we find then is that uh, to beware of things, there's things that can be said that's right but offensive. And listen, what we find then is this. If there's something that you really like to do and you enjoy doing it, and you don't see anything wrong with it, but there's a danger in it. And then somebody comes along and says, watch out, watch out. Uh, many people get offended at that. I, I think of this, this fellow over in West Kentucky, he was a fisherman and a good one. He was really good, matter of fact. He was so good that he'd catch a bunch of crappie, fillet them, and bring them to my house. All right. Good fisherman. But uh, uh, he would always tell the story. His son had been fishing with him now for years. And he kept telling his son, boy, I'm telling you, I've told you for the last 20 years, you're going to pay a price for that. He said that boy had a bad habit of having somebody else in the boat. He, Man, he would flip his rod way out like that. And he said for years, no problem. And uh, he said one day, he said he had a problem. He said he, he's just doing his thing like he had always been doing it. He said, I told him and told him and told him. And he said, he'd just tell me, oh, Dad, let drop. I've been doing this for 20 years. And he said, mm, time's getting closer for something. He said he took that thing and threw it back and he was looking that way, pulling it this way. And he said that hook come up and went right slap through his ear. And uh, could have been worse. And anyway, he said, Dad, I think I got a hook in my ear. He said, you do. You do. Took it 20 years to get there, but it's there. You see, the reality of it is this. Time does not Time does not, like the Bible says, you know, a lot of people sin and judgment doesn't come immediately so they think they got away with it. Sorry. Time does not say it's not going to happen. That's why to beware of things, to see things, 
and recognize that in time, whether it be a short time or a long time, there's going to be a consequence for the action. You hear me? A lot of people think, well, I've done this for 10 years. Well, if God says that's an 11-year plan, you've only got one year left and you're doomed. You see, a lot of times we think that because we can, we've done it and done it and done it, that we can continue to do it. But what happens is then the shepherd comes along and says, hey, beware. That's not going to work. Beware what you're doing. Beware. Oh, that makes people mad. They don't like it. They've done it for years and they like it that way. And so, ever, ever so important, the shepherd must warn people whether they like it or not. That's just it. And um, that's something that we all ought to expect. Isn't that right? I don't know about you, uh, but I'd rather have somebody tell me, now here's the, here's the outcome of that. You know, you, you keep licking your fingers and sticking them in the socket. One of these days you're going to find one that's on. You know, and I, I mean, there's just, it's going to happen. Beware. That's why it's so important for us to stay ever so close to God and Christ today because you might need them tomorrow. Which you will. We need them anyway. But there's some days when we just need God. Some days we just need the love of Christ shed abroad in our hearts. Ever so important. The next thing, it says, now with these two, it kind of tickles me. One says taking the oversight and the other says not by constraint. Um, I had a guy come to me one time and he said not by constraint. He didn't know the definition of constraint. And uh, he thought uh, that, that it meant you just jumped in there and done it. You know, you, you just took charge Anyway, after I told him what constraint meant, he said, oh. In other words, listen. This is, this is interesting. When God calls somebody to preach and to be a pastor, to be a shepherd, not by constraint. In other words, not being forced into it. It's not compulsory. I shouldn't be pastoring a church because I'm forced to. I shouldn't be in the ministry because it's compulsory. I shouldn't be here for that reason. Not by constraint, not being forced to. And uh, that is ever so important for you to know. For me to know is the fact that I'm here willingly because God wants me here. 
I've heard preachers preach on the subject of a willing shepherd. And uh, that's what this is talking about. Not by constraint. The only thing that should move us is the love of God and the will of God in Christ. That's it. That's the only thing that should move all of us. You, me, nothing else. That little statement in Revelation, you've left your first love. My goodness. Has that thought this week tore me to pieces? I mean, I've just, I mean, I just, that, that thought is just, haven't been able to handle it this week. Left, leaving your first love. Wow, what a thought, huh? Watch this now. Not by constraint, but willingly. Uh, Voluntarily, willful, willfully, willingly. Uh, Not my will, but thine be done. Amen. I've seen men and women, preachers, boys and girls. Uh, they, there used to be a plaque that was printed up. And you, you still see it around some, but not as much as it used to be. Not my will, but thine be done. And, um, but willingly, a willing heart. That's powerful, isn't it? Listen to me. The man or woman that died to self can have a willing heart. When you go to Romans 12, I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your body as a living sacrifice. Doesn't say your mind, doesn't say your heart, it says your bodies. That's all of you, isn't it? You see, just think about this. What are you willing to do for the Lord? I, I have, I got, I got to be honest with you. That, that statement right there has caused me to have more fun than you can ever imagine. I mean, I have laughed more at myself, especially. What are you willing to do for the Lord? Um, well, if you love the Lord, there's not going to be any problem with that. But the question is this. See, when, you, when you're willing to serve God and, and you die to self and you've presented your body as a living sacrifice, all acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. It's going to do something to you. Willing service requires time. And we live in a world today where people, boy, isn't it amazing? 
We got so many gadgets that are supposed to be time savers, but yet we don't have any time. Right. Isn't that right? It's amazing what happens to us. I mean, I, I'm so thankful of the time period in which I've lived. Because as a kid, I can remember the old chuggers coming down the railroad tracks blowing smoke. Uh, the women washing clothes and tubs and washboards and, and gas engines and and washing machines didn't know what a dryer was. The dryer hunt was outside. All right. And, uh, you know, she wanted warm to cut wood or, or shovel coal. Them old coal burners that was in the houses. <laughs> Two o'clock in the morning having to get them to go downstairs and shovel coal into that thing. But, you know, there's something about that. For some reason, though, even though we had to do all of those things for life, we still had time. But now we've got all of those things. Man, just push a button and run. And we don't have time. You see, a willing heart says, not my will but thine be done. Amen. Look at what Christ accomplished with that statement. Look what Christ accomplished with that statement. Not my will, but thine be done. Hey boy, he accomplished a lot for you and me with that statement, didn't he? Amen. That's a powerful statement. Not my will, but thine be done. Look at what Christ accomplished for you and me with that one statement. Amen. So now, it ought to come home to you and me. We ought to ask the question, well, what could I accomplish for Christ if I used the same statement? What could I accomplish for Christ if I said the same thing? It might be amazing to you what you could do, huh? Boy, I got a bucket load of illustrations for that one. Uh, it's amazing what you can do. Watch this now. It says, not for filthy lucre. Of course, that means to get gain, get money. And uh, what's your motive for doing it? Money, pride, prestige, pocketbook, popularity. If that's your motive, it's all wrong. The motive must be Christ, his will, not my will be done. Now, watch this. Not for filthy lucre, but of a ready mind. Let's talk about that for a moment. Alicrity. That's one of those words I had no idea what it meant. 
I looked and I said, what is that? So, I figured I'd put the definition out there so I would remember it. Alrighty. If I've heard that word before, I don't know it. And if I've seen that word before, I don't know it. But here's what it means. Promptness in response. Promptness in response. Wow. Be of a ready mind. Promptness in response. I, I immediately thought about Isaiah. Here am I, Lord. Send me. Wow. Promptness in response to God. Promptness in response. To the word of God. Promptness in response to the will of God. Um, That's amazing. Willingness. Not for money. But of a ready mind. There's one thing about the shepherd. And we're going to learn that here in just a second. There must be some promptness in response to what God wants. That's important for all of us, isn't it? Promptness in response. Lord, what would you have me to do? Promptness in response. I read that and said, wow, of a ready mind. In other words, your mind is ready to respond to the word of God and the will of God whenever it's revealed to you. Of a ready mind. It's in your mind to do it. It's amazing what the will of God, the word of God can do with you and me if we're of a willing mind. God has a way of using that person that has a willing mind. Why? Because you're ready to respond to the will of God, the word of God, to do the work of God. That's amazing. Watch now. These two are very important. Verse 3. Neither as being lords over God's heritage, but being examples to the flock. Wow. So, in other words, to be a shepherd. To be an example to the flock. Listen, that means this. And it's very important. If I'm going to stand up here and preach about living by faith, don't you think I ought to practice that? If I'm going to stand up here and preach about being willing and having a ready mind to promptly respond to the things of God, 
uh, then don't you think that I ought, to, I ought to be number one in that category, standing in the front line to do that? Absolutely. If we're going to be committed to the Lord, then the reality of it is this. Don't you think that I ought to have, the shepherd ought to have the testimony of that? I mean, if the shepherd is supposed to be the protector somehow, some way, well, then he needs to be an example of that. The question is this. Examples are used by other people to live life. It's important. I had a preacher recently call me and he was talking about stepping out by faith to do something. And he said, but, 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 but. And I said, do, do me a favor. I said, just scratch all the buts. All right. I said, there's no way in the world, if you're going to be a servant of God, can you put on a piece of paper, pros on one side, cons on the other, and then see how it falls, and then you make your choice based upon that. I said, that's, I don't work in God's work. The only thing that counts is this. Can you tell me, is that what God wants you to do? I said, that's it. And he replied, yes. I said, then do it. I said, being faithful is being willing to respond to God. And if that's what God wants you to do, God will take care of you in it, along with educating you. Now that, <laughs> now that, might, that might pose an issue when God starts educating us. But the reality of it is this. Neither is being lords over God's heritage. In other words, not to lead it in a different direction. But be an example to the flock. Guess what? I've got a responsibility to be a, an example to you. That's important. You know that? That's important. I need to be an example to you. And so when we start talking about the things of God, then let's praise God for that. Look at verse 4 now. We find that verse 3 and 4, they tie themselves together. Neither is being lords over God's heritage, but being examples to the flock. In other words, be a shepherd. Why? Look at verse 4. And when the chief shepherd, that's the Lord Jesus Christ, shall appear, ye shall receive a crown of glory that fadeth not away. So we find then 
that in verse 3, not being as lords over God's heritage, but being examples to the flock, be a shepherd. Be a shepherd. Feed the flock from the word of God. Be a shepherd. Protect the flock. Warn the flock. Do all that. Why? Because when the chief shepherd shall appear, guess what? I might be a shepherd, but there's a chief shepherd. Right. And uh, I'll have to give an account to the chief shepherd for his sheep. Right. And the chief shepherd shall appear. But look what I have. If I'm faithful to this, then I don't have to fear anything else. Let me be faithful to this. And when the chief shepherd shall appear, ye shall receive a crown of glory that fadeth not away. Wow. You know what? There's a good reward passed out by the chief shepherd. A nice reward given to faithful shepherds that feed the flock of God. Time is gone. Let's all stand, if you would please, as we go to the Lord in prayer.